Scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew 22, beginning at verse 1. Jesus also told them other parables. He said, The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them, The feast has been prepared, the bulls and fattened cattle have been killed, and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way, one to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. The king was furious, and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now go to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without the wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It was while I was teaching at Campbell University that one time in campus mail, I received a card that had party hats on it and streamers, and, and it just said, someone's turning 40, hope you can come. And I thought, oh great, somebody's having a 40th birthday party, that's great. Someone's turning 40, hope you can come. And I opened up the card and there was nothing in there. There was a problem, no signature, no RSVP, no return address on the envelope, nothing. And I thought, poor person, I wonder, did everybody get one of these blank cards? Now, it was figured out later what the problem was and it was resolved, but in the meantime, I thought, bless their heart, I wonder if anybody's going to show up because nobody knows where to go. All I knew was that somebody was turning 40. Well, it reminded me of this parable where this marvelous invitation is given, this gracious invitation, but no one shows up, at least initially. Many of us know that the main point of this parable is that God invites all people to his party, every type of person. But the more I thought about it, the Spirit really led me to one aspect of this which sometimes gets neglected. There's a real missional message to this. There's a real missional thrust to this parable. Let's look at Matthew 22, verses 1 through 6. We'll just put it up on the screen. I'm not going to read it all. But you know the beginning of the story. There's this gracious invitation. Now, you need to understand the Middle Eastern custom of giving invitations. There were really two invitations, and it was in two phases. In the first phase, it was given days before. The invitation was sent out to people, and if you agreed, you would RSVP immediately, and you would really offer a vow, a covenant to be there at the party. So the invitation had already been given, at least the first phase. But then there's phase two, when an invitation is given, and this is right after the food has been prepared, the, the food is hot, the glasses are filled, the table is spread, and basically the servants become town criers, and they go out into the community to the people who are invited and say, come to the feast, come to the banquet. It's already right now. You know, they didn't have watches and calendars back then, so people weren't exactly sure when 
the feast was ready. And so that was the role of the servants in this second invitation. Well, Jesus is addressing this second invitation. The master goes out, or has the servants go out, and is calling them to the feast. And there's this sense of immediacy to this invitation. Really what he's doing is he's calling the call. He's inviting the invited. And you're welcome to join me here as you look at the outline. But as I said, there's an immediacy to this invitation. Everything's ready. Time is short, but what happens? Verse 3, as you see highlighted there, first of all, they refused. And, and it was reported to the king. There, well, the king decided there must be some mistake. Maybe they misunderstood. So the king sends out other servants to invite them, but it got worse. These servants were either, and look at the highlighted words there, they were ignored insulted some of them killed and obviously jesus is using hyperbole here but to make a point you know often when believers that we invite to god's party to god's gracious love when we invite them we get one of these responses we might be ignored or insulted some of our brothers and sisters across the planet sometimes are killed so what do we do in those situations well even as we share the love of jesus what should we do when we have those rejections when we have those kinds of responses well first of all if you look at your outline we trust that god will respond righteously a lot of times when we're trying to reach people for jesus again we can rest in the notion that god is sovereign and ultimately he is judge and so we need not worry about their responses Uh, if you look at verses 11 through 14 i'm actually going to start at the end because this is a real curious sub parable It's kind of jolting if you look at it. Let me just read it first of all. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called but few are chosen now what's going on as far as this garment not having a wedding garment there are two things in context we need to understand first of all to whom is jesus sharing this parable you know is it to believers like you and me well no actually no it's to people who are cold to the gospel who is he speaking to in that moment well you got to go back to matthew 21 verses 45 and 46 ah when the who leading priests and pharisees When the leading priests and Pharisees heard this parable, another one that Jesus had told, they realized they're the bad guys in the parable. They realized he was telling the story against them. They were the wicked farmers. They wanted to arrest him because they were upset and threatened by this and insulted by this, but they were afraid of the crowds who considered Jesus to be a prophet. And then Jesus launches into this other parable that we just talked about here, but with the parable of the banquet. He's speaking to them. Those who are cold, those who are antagonistic to the gospel, that's whom he is addressing here. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Secondly, what about this garment thing? You know, this guy didn't have a garment on and they threw him out, right? Well, that was a, that was a, a party garment, a, a, a festival garment, an event garment that the master of a party would give as people walked in. In this case, it's a king who, as people would come in, it was kind of a sign of welcome. You're a part of us. You've been accepted, so come on in. Again, it was something that was given by the king. The problem with this guy is that he did not receive it. He did not accept it. He thought that he was worthy without it. 
which contradicts very severely what the Bible says. What does Isaiah say? That we are people, in a sense, uh, dressed in filthy rags because of our sin, right? Which is why later on in uh, Romans 13, Paul says, put on the Lord Jesus, put on the clothing of the Lord Jesus, and be clothed in his grace and righteousness, because you in and of yourself are not righteous. So that's what's going on here. It's not like they were being unkind to him. It's that the guy did not accept it. He thought that he was acceptable without that garment of grace. Well, so we're talking about it being just the logical end of what this guy has already decided. He decided not to wear it. He refused it. So that's what's going on there. And we're going to run into people like that who refuse the garment, in fact, might just in a sense yank it out of your hand and throw it down and stomp on it and insult you. What do you do at that point? You, you move on. You trust that maybe you've done something, maybe you've planted a seed, and then you move on and trust that ultimately God will judge righteously. But secondly, we continue to go tell. We serve. Secondly, we serve. How? First of all, immediately. We serve immediately. Let's look at verse 3 here. And this is when the food is ready, the glasses, you know, have, have, have had uh, stuff poured into them, and the table is set. It's time now, right? When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those that were invited. Like, this is the time right now. Go tell them the food's ready. It's time for the party now. And obviously they go and do it right away. They obey. You've heard me talk about this before. Uh, my favorite characters in certain ways, with the parable of the prodigal son, are the servants in that parable. You remember, this is that climactic scene where the son comes forward and says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Please treat me as one of your servants. And what does the father do? Doesn't lecture him or anything? His first word is in the Greek is hurry or quick. In other words, now. Immediately, go get a robe for my son, get a ring, get sandals for his feet, each of those representing what? And I don't know if you can see in this icon, but the guy behind the prodigal son has the robe there. The other guy has sandals and uh, the ring and his finger up here. Um, and he says these things. Why? Well, first of all, the robe represents, it's really like this other parable. He's putting on the garment of welcome, right? It means to treat somebody like royalty. It was an act of hospitality back then. You're a part of the family. To even emphasize that more, what? You had the ring, which was the family signet. Uh, had this family signet on it. You're a part of the family. You're back. And then finally, the sandals for his feet, what? Only slaves did not wear sandals. You're no longer enslaved to that life that you were once in. But what I love about the servants is that they don't say, wait a minute, master. I know you told us to do that immediately, but you know, do you remember the life that this guy's been into? I mean, they could have been like the elder brother, right? But no, they follow the master's command immediately. Doesn't matter where this young man has been, what he's done, what he's thinking, whatever. No, you serve them immediately. And really, regardless of how the prodigal would have been when he came back home, you serve them. And there's an immediacy, there's an urgency to it. It's so great to see people uh, using their gifts in such an immediate way. We, we, just this morning at the men's breakfast, we had this great, what was his name, Lawrence Sheffield, was that his name? Have you all heard of, uh, what is it, Birmingham? No, Magic City Woodworks, is that it? Oh, it's such a cool thing. And I don't know, the guy's probably in, what, his 20s? And uh, he just felt led to start this uh, Woodworks Down, uh, I guess what we would call in the inner city, and uh, is helping guys find jobs and, and, and learn skills and stuff. And it's so cool that this young guy, 
with his entrepreneurial skills is doing just that and doing it because he knows that the time is now. It's time for me to use my gifts right now. And that's really what the uh, father of the prodigal is saying. Servants, go out and clothe this guy in grace and righteousness right now. Let's kill the fatted calf and have a party. So we're to serve people immediately, even when they might not respond the way we're hoping that they will. Secondly, we serve inclusively. Inclusively. Whosoever will. Are there some types of people whom you find difficult to reach and you just as soon not reach them because they grate on you in some way. They annoy you. They, they maybe frighten you. And yet we're called to serve inclusively. Look at verses 9 and 10. He said, now go out to the street corners. This is the king speaking, Jesus really speaking. Now go to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike. Go find everyone. It's so amazing when people just, just break down walls just a little bit and become a little bit more inclusive in terms of how they reach out to people. Francois Clemens was born right here in Birmingham, uh, was a descendant of slaves and sharecroppers, grew up downtown. Eventually his family moved to Youngstown, Ohio, and he grew up in the ghetto up there. And he had a rough early life uh, because of some things that happened to him and to his family. Uh, he decided never to really be trustful of white people. But later on, he discovered he had a skill with music. He had a very good singing voice, and eventually, because of his gift, he got a scholarship to Oberlin College in Ohio, which is a fantastic school of music. And he began singing in operas and stuff. Well, after one of the operas he sang in, a guy named Fred walked up to him and said, I know this sounds crazy, but I'm, I'm thinking of starting a television show and I would love for you to be in it. Oh, gosh, that's great. Do you want me to sing? Well, yeah, we'll have you sing a little bit. Well, what do you want me to play? I'd like for you to be a policeman. And this African-American gentleman thought to himself, you know, and this is, this is back in the early to mid-60s, and it was like, you know, what I've seen with, with policemen, I don't have a good framework through which to gaze. You know, when I think policemen, I think hose being turned on and, and, and dogs attacking and things like that, people being mistreated. So I don't know if I should do it. But the guy kind of persisted and said, no, I'd love for you to do it. You could even use your, your last name, Francois Clemens. You can be Officer Clemens. And uh, uh, he took the role but was still really unsure about it. Does anybody happen to know what show it would have been? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Y'all know who Officer Clemens is? Was on it for like 30 years. It was Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Uh, recently uh, saw a wonderful interview with Francois Clemens about uh, his experiences with uh, Fred Rogers. I think there's a documentary coming out right now about Mr. Rogers, actually. But he said the most memorable episode for him was back in 1969, and it was an episode, and there was a scene where uh, it was supposedly just, just blisteringly hot outside. And so Mr. Rogers had walked outside and filled a little plastic pool with water and took off his shoes, and I'm sure he tossed it in the air like he did, won't you please, you know, threw the shoe in the air, and then sat down in uh, that pool with his feet soaking in the nice cool water. Well, and they kind of just, you know, uh, ad-libbed some of this, but Officer Clemens comes along, you know, Francois Clemens comes along, and what was really cool was Mr. Rogers invites him to come join him uh, in the pool. Get, come on, take your shoes off, put your feet in there. And this was sort of a, 
a unique thing to do back in 1969, and as, as Clemens said, he said, the icon, Fred Rogers, not only was showing my, my brown skin in the tub with his white skin as two friends, but as I was getting out of the tub, and this is beautiful to watch, he was helping me dry my feet. Reminds you of somebody else, doesn't it? And at the end of the show, uh, Rogers did, said what he always said, what, you, you make every day such a special day for me just by being you, and I like you just the way you are. And he usually says that looking right into the camera. This time he was looking a little bit off camera, and he was looking right at Francois Clemens. And after they finished that show, uh, Clemens went up to him and said, Fred, were you, were you looking at me? And were you talking to me? And Fred Rogers said, yeah, I was talking to you, and I've been talking to you for years, but this time you heard me. This time you heard me. And Clement said that was one of the most meaningful experiences he had ever had. You know, there's some of us to whom God has been talking to for years, you know, and, and yet we have been too cold to make some kind of response on his behalf. There's some of us who have been talking about God's grace to other people, and they have been responding in a negative way, at least not in a way that we've been hoping for. But that doesn't mean we keep inviting them, no matter how different they are from us. In fact, it's a marvelous statement when we invite those whom others think we might not be prone to invite. We don't give up. You know, when it comes to missions, that's what we're about. You know, whatever we get from people. We should still be loving and serve others in an inclusive way. Uh, we wash their feet in the name of Jesus. We immerse them in his love and in his grace, no matter what. Uh, again, yeah, I'm going to talk about the Aptrail mission trip just because it was really cool. I've never seen people more excited to get their feet cleaned <laughs> because it's been, what, uh, 400, 500 miles that they've been uh, traversing through uh, the Appalachian Trail. But let me say, and this is a shout out to First Baptist Church of Kempsville, Virginia, who are the main people who do the washing and cleaning of feet and, and healing of the feet. I've never seen people, first of all, the hikers who are more excited about getting their, te their teeth cleaned, their feet cleaned. Uh, we could add that to the ministry next year. Uh, here, toothbrush, let me help. Uh, no, but they were so excited to get their feet cleaned, and then, but these people from that marvelous church in a small town in Virginia are always so excited to sit there and, and help them and minister to them. Wonderful guy here with a Navy cap helping out some guy, but, but it was just so cool, and I thought, that's the church. That's the servants in the parable of the prodigal son, immediately helping people where they need the help. It's the church as we celebrate what Christ did for you and for me. So we serve people immediately and inclusively. And finally, we celebrate that the banquet is filled with decked out partiers. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, you go to verse 10, first of all, in the parable. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. That's the good news. For those who receive the garment are willing to have the garment, not refuse it. It becomes filled with guests. And that's great. You know, if nothing else, that should give us hope. And it reminded me, as I was studying this, of Isaiah 61. We all know that passage, uh, you know, Jesus read uh, the first few verses of Isaiah uh, 61 when he was uh, in the synagogue, right? It was the passage he read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has called me to proclaim good news to the poor, uh, to give sight to the blind, to proclaim good news to the captives, and on and on, set the captives free. 
It's a beautiful passage, but you go down to verse 10, and I like how it's translated in the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version, which is a great translation. It says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Reminds you of the parable. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, as a bride adorns herself, it's the same word, decks herself with her jewels. I just love that. It, you know, we, we go to this party of grace that God invites us to, and we're decked out in his grace. I love that word in the Hebrew. We're just decked out in his salvation, in his liberation, in his love, in his grace. We're decked out in that robe of righteousness that, that, that is such a blessing to us because we do not deserve it, nor could we ever be presented blameless before God except for Christ. So we need to keep teaching taking this good news out there and clothing people in grace. And now we can celebrate at the banquet table here. We come here now to this table. (laughs) Blessed because we are clothed in his grace, immersed in his love. For that reason, we can do this, celebrate this with the greatest of joy. So let's prepare ourselves for it. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you gave us that invitation. And we pray especially for people who are still refusing that invitation. If there is anyone in here who hasn't received that invitation, we pray that they might feel led to receive it today, to give their lives over to you, to follow you, to understand just how fully they are loved by you as if they were the only one in the world to love. Because of that magnificent love, O God, we have reason now to celebrate here at the table. So may our hearts be full that we have been invited to this banquet which you call us to now. We give you thanks. In your name we pray. Amen.